If you, th if you think you want to do that, let me know and I'll pray for you because that is just downright weird. And I'm weird. So even by my standards. All right, so turn in your iPads to Exodus <laughs> chapter 13. Verse 2 starts out and says, Consecrate to me every firstborn male. The first offering of every womb among the Israelites belongs to me, whether human or animal. Then Moses said to the people, Commemorate this day, the day you came out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, because the Lord brought you out of it with a mighty hand. Eat nothing containing yeast. Today in the month of Aviv, you are leaving. When the Lord brings you into the land of Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Hivites, and Jebusites, the land he swore to, you, uh, to your ancestors to give you, a land flowing with milk and honey, you are to observe this ceremony in this month. Now that's a celebratory time. And I'm talking serious celebration. So it's time to put on the hat and grab the stick and let's start celebrating and let's get on our way. And yes, I got my hiking boots on. Anybody have hiking boots? Okay, good. So it's time to put those hiking boots on. It's time to get ready. It's time to celebrate. Now, have anybody ever heard of the song by Three Dog Night, Celebrate? You know, celebrate, celebrate, dance to the music. Right? Come on now. Nobody. There you go. At least somebody's going to sing with me. Thank you very much. Now, you think, oh, well, those Christians should not be dancing. I got news for you. The Bible says there is a time to dance. Ecclesiastes 3, verse 1 says, There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to weep and a time to uh, laugh, verse 4. A time to mourn and a time to dance. There is indeed a time to dance. Now, most people are glad that they don't see me dance because everybody within the 30-foot radius, including myself, would get badly hurt. So, but you've got to understand that there is a time to celebrate. And the, the, after the Passover, when they were sent packing, it was time to celebrate. Now, how many of you have ever been to the land of the mouse and duck? You know, about three hours south of here, you got to pass the I-4 eyesore, okay? You, nobody? Am I the only? Just a few of you? Okay. When you go to the land of the mouse and the duck, what are you thinking? I'm looking so forward to it. Let's get in the car, kids. Right? And the kids are dancing to the car, right? So it's a time to celebrate. We're dancing to a different land. Instead of a land of the mouse and the duck, we're heading toward the land of milk and honey. Thank you. It is a time to celebrate. It's a time to feast. It's a time to pass out the challenge coins. It's a time to take selfies. Don't forget the hashtag. Get the hashtag out of here. Whatever the case may be, however you're going to celebrate, there is a time. And for the Israelites, it was time to celebrate. What in the world is in this bag? I'll bet you're thinking. But there's a legacy in the making here. This is something you have to understand that when the Israelites were leaving, it was more than just a time to celebrate. It was a time to understand what was not just ahead of you, but as the years go by, how you can point back to what was behind you and how you got to where you are. In chapter 13, verse 14, it says this, In the days to come, when your sons ask you, what does this mean, speaking of the Passover? You say to him, with a mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt and out of the land of slavery. 
when Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go. The Lord killed the firstborn of both people and animals in Egypt. This is why I sacrificed to the Lord the first male offspring of every womb and redeem each of my firstborn sons. It will be like a sign on your hand and a symbol on your forehead that the Lord brought us out of Egypt with his mighty hand. There are times to look back. And those times are when the Lord God has done something mighty. Now, has anybody ever seen a movie from 1956 with Charlton Heston produced by Cecil B. DeMille? The Ten Commandments? Imagine the special effects that would have been required today to make that movie. But there they went, and I, I watched just the, the little clip of the parting of the sea where he turned and he said, Behold his mighty hand. Notice he didn't say, Behold my mighty hand. Moses didn't say, well, look at what I'm going to do. He said, God is going to do this for us. Look at what he's about to do. And he stretched out his staff, and the Red Sea parted. How would you have liked to have been witness to that? That would have been an amazing thing to see. Leading up to that, though, there were some things going on. You see, God thinks ahead for us. God thinks far ahead for us. In fact, when you think about it, God has an eternal mindset. So what you're suffering here on this earth this very day is going to be a speck of dust compared to all of eternity for you. So don't worry about the suffering that you're going through. And yes, the children of Israel suffered for how long? 400 years in the land of Egypt? And yet, God had an eternal perspective in mind and said, I'm going to show my glory. You guys, watch. Leading up to that glory, though, he's got to do no doubt. Verse 17, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. Hannah, go ahead and put that map up. For God said if they faced war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around the desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. So what did I bring in my bag of object lessons. The first thing I brought was my sword. They were ready for battle, but God said, not yet. Now take a look at this map real quick. You'll notice that it is a short distance if you go through the Philistines, but you notice how long it'll take you if you walk. Anybody up for a hike? And oh, by the way, you notice how much mountain you're going to have to climb? Look at that blue bar there. That's about 4,000 feet of mountain climbing. Anybody up for that? Okay. So God was preparing Israel in a such a way that they were not going to be ready for war yet. But they were going to eventually be ready. And yet what God did in saying, okay, we're going to go around the long way. Do you trust me? Do you trust me? How many times do you hear yourself thinking, God, I trust you, but okay, knock that end off. Just say, I trust you. It's a hard thing, okay? It is a very hard thing, and I get that. But God wanted to set things up for the children of Israel and for the army of, of Egypt so that they would understand that the miracle itself could only be done by God, thus the crossing of the Red Sea. So moving into uh, chapter 14 of Exodus. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Pi-Hiroth, 
between Migdal and the sea. They are to encamp by the sea directly opposite Baal Zephon. Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around in the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. And this is key here. This is something that God had been doing all leading up to this point. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, which he did one more time. In fact, I would say for the last time. And he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. Now, you notice something's missing from that set of verses. God did not say, I'm going to part the Red Sea for you. He just said, go down and encamp there by the sea and get yourselves hemmed in. Do you trust me? <laughs> now, you got to understand this, and this is something Yul Brynner said in the Ten Commandments, that Moses is God, may be a great miracle worker, but he's no general. And when you think about it, from a military perspective... God was the oddest general in all of history. You see, according to ilovehorses.net, a two-horse chariot race of one quarter mile lasts 22 seconds. Okay, big deal, right? How fast is that? Any of my math wizards out there? 50 miles an hour. How fast can you outrun a chariot? Only one person in history could, could do that, right? Come on, who is it? Who? Right. <laughs> but, it's, but understand this. Ezekiel, or not, you know, when you're running across in front of a chariot, you're going to get what? Run over. And oh, by the way, a chariot team is going to be the driver and an archer. And that archer is going to go and pick them off one by one. And this will do you no good until you get run over. And you're only going to take out one horse. So forget it. Put it away. But here's the thing. If you're walking around in, against a chariot race... Oh, by the way, have anybody seen the movie Ben-Hur? You ever see what happens when you get run over by a chariot? It ain't pretty. Do you know what happens to people who get in the way of angry horses? Do you know what happens to people who get in the way of an angry God? You're about to find out. But in Isaiah, God says this. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So whatever it is that you think God is doing, it's going to be higher than what you think God is doing, even if you think you have God's thinking, because you don't. But you know what? Continue to pray, continue to fast, continue to trust continue to learn, to continue to grow. But stop trying to outthink God. If he says, go hem yourselves in against the sea and get ready for the chariots to come at you, then what did, what did it say right there? So the Israelites did this. You don't have to have the big picture to understand that God is going to deliver you. So what do we pack? Of course, we got our boots, we got our walking stick, we got our hat. Why, why do I have a hat on? Okay, you know I don't wear a hat indoors most of the time because that's just, to me, it's, I'm doing this as an object lesson. Okay, but we, they wore their hats because the Israelites always had their heads covered. That was part of the tradition. All right, so what else do we pack? Do we pack our families? 
It's, it's hard to go on a, on, a, on a trip to the land of the mouse if you're not going to bring your little mouseketeers with you, right? Okay, so let's bring our mouseketeers with us because they're part of that legacy. We're going to go across the desert. We're going to go to the promised land. It's promised not just to us. The promise of God's deliverance is to our entire family. It's to our entire community. It's to the entire world. I love mission-minded churches. This is one of them. And I love mission-minded churches who get with other mission-minded churches, Builders of the Faith, for example. Okay? Because why? Where, how far is the mission field from here? About 30 feet outside the parking lot. That's the mission field. And then the rest of the world. So thank God for that little van. I can see it doing great things. They can say, oh, wait a minute. Isn't that that church that we drove by? Their van looks like they gave us ice cream. They're nice people. That is a good thing. So let's keep doing that. But bring your families. Verse thir uh, chapter 13, verse 5 says, When the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Hivites, and Jebusites, the land he swore to your ancestors, a land flowing with milk and honey, you were to observe this ceremony this month. Well, it's hard to observe a ceremony by the time you get there and you don't have your children with you. So bring them with you. Yes, bring your sword. Because eventually... At the end of verse 18, it says, the Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. And they did battle, and we'll talk about that in future messages coming up. Bring it. Don't use it until God says use it. Because it is a weapon of war. But what are our weapons of warfare with God? They are not carnal. They are mighty through the pulling down of strongholds. They are spiritual weapons. All right, so who can tell me whether we need to bring this. Okay, I'll give up. We bring the bones of Joseph, right? Because he told them to. He said in verse 19, Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had made the Israelites swear an oath. He said, God will surely come to your aid and you, then you must carry my bones up from you in this place. Joseph already foresaw the suffering of the people before it even began and knew that the children of Israel would be required to suffer and eventually be delivered. But he said, at the time of deliverance, don't bring me because I'm up in paradise. Bring my bones as a way of saying that we are keeping our promises. It's necessary. So do we bring a map? How many of you used to study atlases? Nobody? You all use Google? Okay. All right. When I was growing up, I, my twin sister and I were the youngest of seven. So we always traveled in a 1970 LTD Country Squire. It looked like an Elvis land yacht with wood paneling on the side. And um, it would cross into one state before the back of us left another. And I would always ride in what we called the very back, okay? But we had so much luggage that we couldn't fold up the, the seats. We had to fold them down, stuff all the luggage in. And then my dad set it up in such a way that I would sit on my mother's cosmetic case. You know those square things? Okay? And I would face backwards. And I'm sitting there with the window like this, with nothing to do going from the planet California to Providence, Rhode Island in four days. Boring. So what would I do to pass the time? 
I took the atlas and I sat there and I studied it. And then I'd say, oh, wait a minute. On the other side of the road, that's mile marker 316. Wow, Texas is long. Okay. But the journey for the children of Israel is going to be even longer. And there's no atlas to study. But what do you do? In verse 21 of chapter 13, by day... The Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. Did they travel 24-7? I doubt it. Anybody ever hiked for 24 hours straight? Good. You're smart. It's, it's, not, it's not pretty when you're traveling all day long, all night long. But the pillar of cloud by day, just follow it. Which is what Jesus says. Who cares about what that person's going to do? You follow me. Remember the book of John? Remember when we went through that? You follow me. The same way. You see the pillar of cloud? That's all you need to do. Follow. Oh, you see the pillar of fire at night? Let's go. I'll light your way. I'll guide you. And oh, by the way, do we need to bring these? No. No. Because the pillar of cloud is going to give you the shade and the rest you need while you're traveling. It's okay. You can leave that behind. You see, because in the next verse it says, Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. God always keeps his promise. And for that 40 years that was going to be going... Guess what? That pillar never left them. If it moved, it said, pack up, it's time to go. Just like that. So, who knows what this is? An extended mirror for pulling a camper. That's right. I, I, I have a small camper, and I attach these to the side mirrors of my pickup truck. But what's it for? So I don't run into somebody that's turning into a lane. Ooh, better not, right? But what do you do with a mirror other than looking at your face for taking a selfie? What do you, what do you, what do you use to look at it in a mirror? What are you looking at? You're looking at something behind you. Leave the mirror in Egypt. Don't look back to Egypt. Now, is there a time to look back upon the things that God has done? Yes, that's called the Passover. Is there a time to look back on the traditions and the reasons that he has delivered us? Absolutely. Those are called feasts. The Feast of Tabernacles, representing the entire Exodus. Remember, we went through that uh, late last spring. Okay. The Feast of Unleavened Bread. The Feast of the Passover. All the different feasts. You look back and say, this is where God delivered us. These milestones are a wonderful thing. But never use the mirror to look back on what you thought were the glory days. There was a time when I was working in what we called quality assurance, where you had to test software and try to break it. And I was pretty good at breaking it. And the programmers would get annoyed at me because I said, you missed one. And I would delay releases sometimes because we needed to get it right. Okay? But you have to understand that what I was doing is making sure that we had it right. And in looking back on those days that I was working in quality assurance, it was an easy job. I come in, I do my job. At 4 o'clock, people could set their watches by me when I was leaving because at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, I'm hitting the dusty trail. 
And at 4.45, I'm walking through the door, and dinner is ready. Thank you, Mary. You were a wonderful bride, and she's a great cook. And for a long time, I would come home on time every day, every weekend off. I was dependable in that regard, and I look back and I say, boy, sometimes I wish that I had those days back again. Stop doing that. Because you need to be challenged as you go forward in your own life. But the glory days are not always very glorious. I was not getting paid very well at that time either. And there were other hardships I was going through. So look at the big picture and understand that God wants you moving forward, not back. What else do we bring? Do we bring our faith? You better bring your faith. Because you're standing up against the edge of the sea and you're looking back and you're seeing that suddenly there's an army of chariots coming at you. You better have your faith at that point. Uh, chapter 14, verse 13 says, Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians see you today and will never see you again. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. They're at the Red Sea. This is right at the point where Moses is about to go, Behold his mighty hand, or whatever he said at that time. I must say Charlton Heston did a very good job portraying it, but to have been there, imagine the fear that was gripping the hearts of the children of Israel as the entire army is ready to beat them down. Have faith, because God is the only one who could actually, truly, properly deliver them 100% of the way. And how did he do it? He split the sea. Now, has anybody ever been, you, you, anybody know what a beach is? I know we live near one. When, you, when, the, when the water comes up and it keeps waving back and forth onto the uh, sand, and you step into that sand that just got wet, you go, and then your feet start to sink. That was not the terrain that the children of Israel crossed on when they went through the Red Sea. It was dry ground. That in itself is a miracle. It takes decades to dry that kind of sand under the sea. And yet they went through on dry ground. Now you get these scholars that will say, oh, they marched only in two inches of water. Okay, I'll bite. Here's a better miracle then. Pharaoh's entire army drowned in two inches of water. Got anything for that? I didn't think so. So, something else that I think is important is to make sure that you pack a song in your heart. Yolanda, I love to see you sing. You ever see her walking around in the hallways or when you see her in public? She's singing and praising and sometimes got her hand up. Remember there was a time I went to get some gas and get something to drink, and this was a, a very dark time in my life, and I'm really just hard-hearted hard, hard and bitter and angry. I was on my way to work. And I'm pouring the drink, and I hear this lady behind me, and she's just singing and singing and singing. And that whole time, I'm going, 
I turn around and look at her. She says, oh, I'm sorry. I said, no, no, please keep singing. You are blessing me right now. You never know with a song in your heart whom you might be blessing at that point. And now think of it, okay? The, the, you, you have crossed the sea. You have come out from where the water is. Solid walls way up high. You even see the fish going up against the walls. You finally step out. Here comes the chariots, and then whoosh, the army has drowned. They had to have drowned in at least 50 feet of water. Those walls had to have been massively high. Otherwise, they would have been able to just start swimming up. Anybody who joins any kind of military service, except maybe the Air Force, should know how to swim or they're going to die. And yes, even the Air Force needs to learn how to swim. So this Egyptian army had to be under such heavy amounts of water that they could not just simply swim up, hold their breath until they get to the surface and, <gasps> okay, let's swim back to Egypt. I guess we lost. No, they drowned. Every horse, every rider, every archman, everyone, the entire army. So your now army that has been chasing you at 50 miles an hour while you're walking along at, what, two and a half miles an hour at best. Oh, and by the way, you, you, you got your staff. You're also driving your cattle. They're a little bit slow. So you're poking them in the rear end saying, come on, let's go. And, and, and Daisy says, mmm. So guess what? You have just gone through the Red Sea. Pharaoh's, Pharaoh's army is drowned in the sea. And what are you going to do? Hallelujah. No, you're not. You're going to start singing. You're going to start singing verse, Exodus 15, verse 1. I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider thrown into the sea. That's what they sang. Read it. It's there. I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider thrown into the sea. And you're going to start dancing. I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider thrown into the sea. That's the most I'm going to dance, or my knee's going to say, stop that, you fat old man. You're going to have a song in your heart. You're going to be happy. There's a time for that. But finally, when you realize the depth of the miracle, you're going to go down to verse 11. And it's going to be a time of worship. Who is like unto thee, O Lord among the gods? Who is like unto thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, Doing wonders, who is like unto thee? Imagine the worship. Imagine the time that they're having. Imagine how glorious it is on the far side of the sea, knowing that your enemy is finally vanquished. And now you can continue your journey. So during that journey, what else do you bring? Do you bring water? Do you bring water? Who says no? Who says yes? I'm going to tell you something. Don't. You see, in verse 22, it says, Then Moses led the Israelites from the Red Sea. They went into the desert of Shur. For the days they traveled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That's why it's called Marta. So the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What are we to drink? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, 
and showed him a, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood and he threw it into the water and it became fit to drink and there the Lord issued a ruling and instructions for them and put them to the test oh by the way do we need to bring medicine let's let's make Dr. Downey unemployed both of them he said, if you listen carefully, verse 26, to the Lord, your God, and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commandments and keep all his degrees, I will not bring on any of you the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed. I'm going to start singing over that. Because he has triumphed gloriously. And he has done great things. And he continues to do great things for us here and Why do you pray? If you do not believe that God can do miracles, why do you bother? Every breath you take is a miracle. Every time you wake up in the morning, it is a miracle. Every time you lie down your head in peace is a miracle. Everything you do at work, in school, and everywhere you go is a miracle because God has wrought your life upon you. So be ready to pray and be ready to expect those miracles. Oh, um, do we bring... Some wouldn't necessarily call this food, but do we bring food? The answer to that is no, and I'll let Brian and Kevin preach on that later coming up. But understand, eventually, God brings us rest. You're on your journey. You're on your way to the land of milk and honey, or you're on your way to the land of the mouse and duck. It's not all going to be chariots and hiking. Verse 27 of Exodus 15, Then they came to Elam, where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees, and they camped there near the water. But I got news for you. The oasis is not the destination. You're going to come upon a rest stop once in a while in your journey of life. You can say, okay, let's get out. Let's get some rest. Let's use the john. Let's get something to eat. But you don't stay at the rest stop, folks. You keep going on your journey. You see, there's a progression in this life that we have and in the lives of the children of Israel. There's that happy time, which turns into a worshipful time that leads to a hard time. And in the hard time, we come up on a prayerful time. By the way, you should be praying also in the good times. And then that prayerful time, we get a, mir a miraculous thing that comes through to bring us out of the hard time, and we get that next happy time. But God keeps us growing in those times that we are going to run into more hardships later on. You may be coming out of a hard time. You may be at the, at the top of your mountain right now. You may be starting to climb down toward a valley in your life. But God will continue to bring you through the journey because the key is to grow through your encounters and not keep murmuring. A couple of other thoughts, and I'm going to wrap up. I know I've gone long. I'm sorry. I, I like to talk. Drowning an entire army without harming one of God's children. God knows the very numbers of the hair on your head. He doesn't have to count as much with me anymore. But he still knows, and he still understands every individual heart of every individual person 
in this room and around our community and throughout the world. Because his eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. If God is able to drown the entire Egyptian army and spare the entire children of Israel, he can distinguish his children and do good miracles for them and through them. I, was, I found a quote on Facebook, so it has to be true. Don't believe God is a gumball machine wherein he gives us what we want just because we prayed for it. Prayer is about realigning your life and your thought processes to be in accord with God's will and not the other way around. I won't give the name, but that was written by an Orthodox Jew. So if one of the children of Israel recognizes that, so should we, do you think? The oasis is not God's promised land. It's just that rest stop on the journey. So there are times that we need to sing the triumphant song, the dance. But always have a song in your heart, no matter what your situation is. So at this point, what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask the worship team and the prayer leaders to come up. And if you need prayer through that hard time, prayer through that journey, or if you need prayer to understand, okay, I'm now at the mountaintop. What does God have for me next? Come on up and share with somebody that will, that will pray with you and guide you and give you the peace that you need only through God and through his Holy Spirit. The deliverance has been given to you out of, the, out of the land of Egypt. We have a long journey to the promised land. We're not there yet, but when we get there, it'll be glorious. Until then, there's a lot of, pre of, 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 of desert and wilderness and obstacles that we have to overcome. Stand with me. Father God, we pray that as we go forth this day, that you, Lord, will show that you are in control of every aspect of our lives and that even in the dark times, you are that pillar of fire in our lives and that in the great times where there's sunshine and roses, that you are still that pillar of cloud to give us guidance and to give us life and to give us peace and to give us shade. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.
probably the most significant miracle of the Old Testament, which is used as a framing device for so much of our entire biblical understanding. And as he invited you to come pray, I want to make sure that you're hearing this one, because some of us will be in the place of celebration of God's delivered us out. And some of us are, and I'm thinking right now, I mean, as I'm praying that many of us are probably finding ourselves like the Israelites backed up against the sea with no way out and the army advancing towards us with no ability to fight them. And we're trapped. And there's no solution to the situation we're in. And as Andy said, God's solution wasn't an obvious, okay, that's what God will do. He'll just open the sea up and we'll just walk across because that makes sense. And we tend to think and pray in terms that make sense because we're logical people, or at least we think we are. So I want to read you this. This is in 1 Corinthians. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Greeks. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Christ, yeah. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Brothers and sisters, think of Think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things, and the things that are not, which is a way of just kind of covering everything else, the nothing things, to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. So what we need to do corporately is to open our eyes up to the situation we're in is true. You are back against the sea. The army is advancing. There is no way out, but the Lord has a way out. It just does not make sense. It's foolishness. If they had told them the night before, don't worry, guys. God will just open the ocean up and we'll walk through. I think most people would be like, see, that's not, no, that doesn't happen. So... What else, what other plan do you have, you know? And God hasn't changed. So I'm going to pray, and they're going to sing a little more, but I'm going to pray and, and release you. If you need to go, you need to go. And if you need to seek God about something in your life, I want to invite you to come down. We have people that will pray with you, and we can stand with you in faith about the impossible situations in your life because God is still a deliverer. So Jesus, 
We know that you are the ultimate deliverer. You've used forever the foolish things to confound the wise, that you and you alone may receive glory. And we thank you for that. And Lord, I pray that we would be the kind of people that would have the faith to walk through the impossible paths that you have opened up. And I pray that you would open our eyes to the impossibilities in our lives, like the things that you can do that become possible when you're involved. And God, I pray that for each and every person here and that is hearing this, that you would open our eyes to what it is, the, your way out, you as deliverer. I pray that you would do that and that this message Andy shared with us would be alive in our hearts, that we would live lives where we trust you walking into the wilderness, away from everything that we know and not looking back. And help us to trust you, Lord, because you alone are trustworthy, and that we might boast, that we would boast only in you. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you, lift up his countenance towards you, and give you peace in Jesus' name. And if you need prayer, come forward, and we'll, we'll pray with you.